prayer. Father God, as we come this morning, we think about the imminent return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the fact that you have a plan that no one can stop. You're in complete control. Lord, as we speak to your people this morning, help us to see a typical, well-known passage of scripture as you begin to make some very serious points about who you are and what you expect. Leading guide us, thank you for our time together. Help me to clearly share with the saints of God. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, we're looking at Jonah, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Um, so make yourself comfortable because we're going to be in Jonah for a while. I, I thought the, the, the title of this morning, I quit. Uh, you know, there are times when you get so frustrated and and, uh, and you say, I quit. And you can say it as long as you don't do it. Okay. You can think it, but don't do it. When God tell any of us what to do, please, please don't do this. One, don't tell God what you think how you feel, give him suggestions. He've already worked out all of the dynamics of this. And you will find as we go through Jonah, as we look at this prophet who decided to quit on God, that God says, well, okay, you go ahead and do that, but I got a little something, something for you when you quit on me. No born-again, blood-watched saint of God quits on God. Uh, in, in armed service, they, um, they goes W-O-L, absent without, w, yeah, w, absent without leave. Whenever you are absent without leave in a wartime situation, they will shoot you. Now, they don't put on news and everything. <laughs> they don't, no, 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 no. The army has its own society. You go ahead and say, I quit, and you quit in the armed services, and, and thank you were in serious trouble. I trust in our time together is more than just a message, but I can speak to your hearts and get you to understand how Jonah felt. And above all, if you want to see the mercies of God, you will see it begin to be unfolded just in these 17 verses. And beyond that point, you're going to see God when it comes down to mercy and everything else. He does not give us what we deserve. He has wiped out nations. He'll give them to the Israelites to wipe out all of the various nations, the Jubasites and, and the Canaanites, etc., etc. God says, wipe them out. When it comes to Nineveh, God stopped and said, I want you to talk to them. And so God decided to take one of his key men, one of his prophets that he used 
And he says, here's what I want you to do. And the, and the prophet didn't talk back. He just walked out. He said, no, you didn't walk out on God. <laughs> uh, well, let's get started then. In our introductory verse here, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. Here's that conjunction with a function. But, you know that changed the whole picture. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Uh, doesn't that seem like a good picture of uh, disobedience? Uh, maybe, well, you see, we have a tendency to do the opposite, don't we? God says, forgive someone, and we, said, we decide, no, I'm not. I'm going to keep my little black book. And so the Lord says, you know what? It's no longer, get this now, it's no longer about Nineveh. Before he can do ministry, he had to learn how to obey. A person cannot be disobedient to God and be prosperous in ministry. That's a lie from him. Well, let's go on. Now, introductory is very important that we take a closer look at the book of Jonah. It's not just a good read concerning a reluctant particle prophet, nor is a story of a prophet encountering a big fish, which is debatable. This approach will keep you unaware of the love of God and his desire that all men can be saved. Nineveh? Yeah, Nineveh. Let's go on. There are many lessons to be learned in this book of Jonah. It will become quite obvious that obedience is not an option to consider, but a command to obey. Let's take two snapshots of the dynamics of this insightful book. Number one, the command of God. Number two, the cold and callous response of Jonah. We couldn't go any further than this thing because, uh, as I said, this, this go, go, can go on for a while. So, so I, I just said, let me just give you at least two points. At least we can get through the two points. Okay. The first one is the command of God, uh, verse 1 and 2. And as we look at the command of God, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. In other words, this is all I can stand, and I can stand no more. Well, that's, now notice that um, the Lord didn't call Jonah into counsel and said, What do you think we should do about Nineveh? They are a wicked city. and uh, What are your thoughts on that? Do you see any of this here? Whenever you see command, just do what he says. It does not matter what you think or how you feel. If that boils your, your blood good, that means you're out of fellowship with God. Because when God tells us to do something, you do it. 
has nothing to do with how you feel and what you think and all these other things, what other people say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When God tells you to do something that seems ridiculous, you know what this is almost like? Uh, it's almost like uh, uh, this, this war with Russia and, and in the Ukraine. And, and he tells a minister in Ukraine, I want you to go to Putin. And I want, to, I want you to tell Putin that he has 40 days. You think Putin say, oh, yes. No. He decides, good, 40 days and we'll be done with Russia. Done with Putin. Done with all the murder and everything else. So 40 days, I'm not doing. Well, let's look at the commission. Jonah was an established and recognized prophet of God. Jonah was a carrier of information that would become the greatest revival of a Gentile world. Jonah was a prophetic, uh, patriotic Jew who hated the Assyrians. Jonah was driven to a place. His uh, patriotism over the will of God. Sometimes we get bent out of shape because of what we think we should have. And what God tell us to do. Um, there's a lot of things going on in this world, and um, you, you're talking about fighting. There's, if you look at all, there's fighting everywhere. Everywhere there's fighting uh, in Africa, in uh, in Pakistan, and uh, you look at all over. There's fighting, fighting, and God is saying, "I know." Matter of fact. I expect it to happen. And then what would happen is that they will, will fight with each other. Um, Jonah was driven up. His patriotism pushed down God's command. <laughs> Make it personal. We could say, you know, uh, in, in the, uh, the area of ethnicity, when we talk about blacks, I'm black. So, the other person is, is is yellow, green, purple. So what do your blackness mean? Do you know what we've been through? Do you know what the Jews went through? Do you know how we suffered? Do you know how they suffered? So when it comes down to our ethnicity, and I've always stressed this now, to my death I will do it. I am a Christian, born again Christian, son, adopted son of God, and that's my first identity. What I was born is my field of how I operate, my culture in which I operate, and I will never let my culture cancel out God's command. And whenever that happens, then it's no longer the problem with the culture. There's a problem, there's a spiritual problem between you and God. Please keep that in mind. And whenever there's a spiritual problem between you and God, then now Nineveh is taken off the table for almost two, two chapters. Nineveh is taken off the pay table. And God said, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you did walk away from me. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, let's go on. The condition. Nineveh was a wicked city in their worship, in their thinking with their cruelty of animals and their vicious treatment of their captives. 
the command. God's response to their whole condition and lifestyle demanded his immediate intervention. God could have wiped them out right there. Just like he could have wiped you out in your place before you were saved. But the same thing that happens in the New Testament is something that's been going on in the Old Testament a long time ago. Grace of God. The grace of God that is able to keep us. Let's go on. Consider this. Nineveh was uh, a notorious, great, and very violent city. It has been established that over the, the population of these people was actually 600,000. 600,000 souls were destined to be swept into eternity, tormented forever, never knowing the true God, never realizing the devastation and consequences of sin, the lake of fire. No, 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 Pastor. The Bible says it was 120,000. I'm going to call you and correct you on that. No, you need to read a little bit further. Let me explain to you. In... Um, when you say that uh, Nineveh, the 120,000 souls, let me give you a picture that we understand today. When you think of Chicago, how many people do you think are in Chicago? See, now you have, see, the Chicago uh, urban community, you have 3 million. And then the suburban metropolitan Chicago, there's 10 million. You have to be a great mathematician to put those together. You got 13 million people. When God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, then it's, it's talking about the part of Nineveh that will affect the whole area. When you talk about Chicago, it's one of the largest city in America. But when you ask folks, well, where do you live? I live in Chicago. And they, but you, but, but it says here, Schomburg. Uh, duh. I, don't, I, I, I live in Chicago. Check, check out the boundaries. It's the, it's the uh, whole idea of the metropolitan Chicago. I am a Chicagoan. So you will refer to me as a Chicagoan. Get the picture? And so God was saying, six. Hundred and, and looking at the various commentaries, each of them came up with the same thing. Six hundred million Jews, a thousand Jews, were to be wiped out. I mean, Nenobites will be wiped out. Six hundred thousand. And the Lord make it better, may make it clear later on that they didn't even know it. They didn't even know any of that. There was a, a, a culture that was void of God. They had so many gods. And how can God change that many people in a short amount of time? Uh, well, God has a way of switching things. We'll, we'll show you how that's done. Okay. So the question, why did God want to spare this city? I will suggest several reasons. One, they were made in his image and likeness. Uh, number two, they were created to exist forever. Whatever God does, it is forever. Nothing to be added to it, nothing to be taken away from it. When God created them, just like he created you, 
He created you to exist forever. The problem now is where will you exist? They were, they were never out of his reach or availability. They were blind and in, bond, and in bondage by the prince of this world, Satan. They were in utter darkness. And here you have, have the righteousness of God and people who are under Satan's sway and his righteousness says, heal them. His justice says, I'll do it. But grace says, there are those whom you have created. At least expose them to the word. Don't, don't you understand? God wants everyone to come and be exposed to his word. Every person you see out there on the street passing you back and forth. Uh, listen to this. There are some you'll never see again throughout all eternity. And just it could well be that in those moments, it doesn't have to be on the street corner. It's great on the street corner. Every opportunity you get, understand, they are, have the, they are either pre-Christians or they're going to burn in the lake of fire forever because God is God and he's holy. They were capable of repentance. They would be a tremendous testimony to the heathen world. They were selected to experience the grace, mercy, and love of God. Are we in agreement with that? Amen, lights. Okay. God's command was not driven by intention, uh, with the intention of giving retribution, judgment, but for the purpose of reconciliation, bring them to himself. See, the whole idea of retribution is that is the whole idea is punishment. And guess what? We, that's why we cannot, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You do not repay a person with evil. Never. God says, retribution is mine. That's my job. Don't ever try to do my job. He says, so then, then Lord, if it's not retribution, what are you doing? Reconciliation. 600,000 people who don't know me. I created them. I have to give them a second chance. You get the picture? It's more than just reading Jonah for it. There are some things that I begin, as I begin to do this, to study of Jonah, there's some things that really, things that we have taken for granted and uh, been arguing over some points that was pointless. And overlook the fact that here God, you want to see what, where God shows up? He shows up in darkness. For God is light. Amen? Well, we go on. There were three things that the Lord commanded him to do without any discussion, opinions, or attitude. What's the first one? Arise. In other words, get up. The next one is go. Show up to a destined place, Nineveh. Three, call out, speak up. Get up, show up, and speak up. Declare these words that I have given you. 
Is that clear? Yeah. I don't need to give you all of the information and et cetera, et cetera, and how it's done and how people be saved. Just, just do what I say. Lesson one. When God speaks, there are two things he requires of us. Hear and do. Hear and do. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen? We go on further. Number two. The cold and callous response of Jonah. That's it. That takes us from, from 3 to 17. Uh, let's, let's check Jonah out for a moment here, okay? So I broke it out into number one, the disobedient prophet. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of God. Now notice the, how what happened. Notice the words, down. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go oh, with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of God. It was intentional. He didn't say, oh, I accidentally, I'm going in the wrong direction. Oh, snap. Stop the ship. Turn me around. No, it was deliberate. He paid. He went in the opposite direction. I'll show you that. Because God told him to do one thing. He decided, I'm going to do another. Jonah fled. Jonah found a ship that was going in the opposite direction. Because the next slide. Knows what happens. Here is a picture of where Jonah is. Nineveh is completely on your right. And uh, he went down to Joppa. Got a ship. And he's going to go over to Tarshish. Because he knew that the Lord says, 40 days, I'm going to wipe them out. He says, okay, good. I'm going to take a cruise over to Tarshish. By the time I get back, they'll be dead. You hate a person so much that you want them to burn in a lake of fire forever? Tell me again, are you a child of God? You mean to tell me that you can hold a grudge for so long against individuals who have done you wrong that when God tells you to forgive them, you're ready to go to your tasks then they go to that short trip to Nineveh. I find that to be very interesting. Let's go on. Jonah paid the fare. He went down to the ship. He decided to go with them instead of going on behalf of the Lord. Jonah had other plans that conflicted with the Lord's command. Remember, whenever you decide to operate outside of the will of God, you have to pay for it. You operate in, in the, uh, uh, according to the will of God, he pays for it. He'll take care of it. Uh, when you talk about the, the fish in Jonah, when notice that Jesus Christ used the fish there in, in the New Testament, and he, he had to pay Caesar, and he said, well, go, to, go down there to the, uh, to the shore there and 
and catch this fish and they have a, the fish will have a coin and that'll be enough to satisfy. And God knows what he's doing. He has all of the details. Don't be bent out of shape. Just do what he says. Amen. He has to pay for it. Thinking it through. Psalms 139 made it very clear that there's nowhere to run or hide from God. This is what the psalmist says. Where shall I go from your presence? Or where should I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and show, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. It's Jehovah Shammah. He's right there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. El Roy, God sees. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go in God's universe? Matter of fact, he created the universe. Where are you going? Where are you running? And what are you going to do when you get there? For you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Wow. He goes on. Note, note this was not the first case of disobedience. Moses was commanded to confront Pharaoh. He gave various excuses and then respectfully told God to find someone else. Moses was commanded to speak to the rock so the water would come out. But he struck the rock and God fired him. I mean, it's not the first time an individual decided to do something. When, when, when uh, Moses said, uh, when God, God told Moses, go to Pharaoh and, uh, and uh, tell him to let my people go. But Moses gave so many different excuses. I, 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 I can't talk. They won't believe me. I mean, this, who, who do I say that you are? I mean, all of these things. Then after he went over that whole thing, after he asked all the questions, then he said, respectfully, find somebody else. And in my sanctified imagination, I could hear God saying, find somebody else. Boy, you were a basket case floating down the Nile River. Got your sister to look over you until you got to the Pharaoh's daughter. She pulled you out of the water. You became a part of the Egyptian culture. You were, you were handsome. You were wise. You were, matter of fact, uh, you, you'll find that you're a great warrior. All of that. But then you messed up and killed somebody because you called yourself delivering somebody. Then went into the desert for over 40 years. I had to get your attention with a bush in order to get you back on track. And then when I tell you to do something, you tell me to find somebody else. You're going. I hope we learn this lesson. Sometimes God has to chase us down. We're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this. And God just waits. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. You're paying for all of this. I'm not paying a dime. 
You're still going to do what I want I tell you to do. This is theology 101. Don't disobey. Especially when he has a passion to deliver and you have a, you are driven the callousness to depart. Amen? Well, observation. In the book of Jonah, every person and entity obeyed the commands of God except Jonah. He deliberately disobeyed the Lord. It was not an oversight or accident. In essence, he made it very clear what he was thinking. I quit. I mean, that's, and that's, he didn't say it. His action proved it. He, he simply said, I quit. Now, I'm going to prove that a little bit later here, but he just simply says, I quit. In his own mind, it's down like, okay, I quit. His actions and everything else. God tells him to go this way, he goes that way. God says, speak to Nineveh. He says, I wish they were all perished. These folks are vicious, these folks, and how, how they gauge out just their, their enemies' eyes and, and parade them in the streets and, and all these other things they do and not, not talk about the witchcraft and the gods that they, they worship. And you want me to speak to those folks? I'm out of here. Now, when you quit, where are you going? Maybe, you, maybe somebody knows uh, answer with this. When you quit on God, where are you going? Let me give you one place. A heap of trouble. Where are you going? You, you're jumping out of the frying pan into the fire when you decide, I'm not going to do it. God's pursuit, pursuit of Jonah was inevitable. The Lord was pursuing Jonah's heart and it was necessary to limit his activities. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest. See these emphasis here? Great, mighty tempest on, on the sea. These adjectives show that the ship uh, threatened to, be, uh, to, break, to break up. It was determined, it was intense, and it was destructive. One thing God didn't do, he didn't kill him. Oh, he'll shake you up, turn you upside down, clap you around, and then actually do all that. And then he won't even brush you off. He'll tell you to get up and do what I tell you to do. You know, some, sometimes when I think about Jonah, I have to stop it, and I have my, me and my sanctified imagination. I, I begin to think of, uh, how you, how you deal with, with a baby? You know, the baby knows that you, this baby knows that you're not just learn how to walk. And the baby has something that, that is dangerous. You're trying to get it from the baby. It says, Come here. And the baby's just, and these little feet are just moving real fast. And you're, you're standing there saying, where, where are you going? And then when you get to where you're going, what are you going to do? Some of us act like the children. We run away from God. We ignore God. And we think that God will overlook it. Here you see, you can quit if you want to, but you'll never quit on me. 
Here Jonah tries to quit on God and God. And so you see a great wind, a great tempest. God said, I'm going to stop you. I'm not going to talk to you. The reason I'm not talking to you, you have not, have not heard me the first time. I'm not talking to you now while I'm whipping you. Okay, let's go on. The dilemma and, and distress of the mariners. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. It didn't bother him. As long as these other guys die, we can get through a storm. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean? You sleeper, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. In other words, what about us? I don't know who your God is, but you should have been praying like us. What about us? At least pray to your God. If it is your God, at least he'll have compassion on us. We didn't have anything to do. Oh, we were sailors, and you paid the fare. We have nothing to do with this. Let's go on. The mariners and Jonah were trapped in a perfect storm. Everything pointed to a total loss of cargo and even their lives. They needed to chew, so they began to probe. And so now they're taking, they want to know, okay, then if we're going to die, let's find out why we die. And so we go to the next slide and we, we see here their decision. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Boy, he's getting ready to get busted here. Their discovery. They said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where did you come? Remember we talked about your, your six friends, who, what, when, where. That's what they're doing. It says, what is your occupation? Where did you come from? What is your country? And uh, what people are you? Answer us. Now we look at the details. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear God. <laughs> Come on, please. You fear God. Don't please spare me on this. Um, the fear, this word fear is not I'm scared of God. It is I reverence God. Well, let me get this straight. You're down in the ship. I had to wake you up. There's a storm going on, and he's after you, and you're telling us you fear God. The dots are not connecting. The God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Go to the next slide. The dilemma. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? Well, the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Notice the spelling, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah. He said he is fleeing from the Lord because he told them. They believed him. 
Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be quiet down, quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more impetuous. He said, well, if you're running from your Lord, then what can we do? They're in a, they're in a helpless situation here. Then we don't know what else to do. What should we do? Now the decision, Jonah, is in your head. Jonah could have said, let's break out in prayer. I'll ask God to forgive me, et cetera, et cetera. It could have gone that route, right? But Jonah quit. What's the attitude of a quitter? It says right here, directions. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. That the sea will be quiet, will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. He says, I quit. I'm willing to even die knowing that 600,000 will live. Throw me into the water. He didn't know that he, uh, that uh, a fish, well, well, we want to use, waiting for it. He just said, just throw me in. I'm ready, I'm ready to die. Just throw me in the water. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Now, if that's not suicidal, that's taking your patriotism too far. It's one thing to be a patriot and you practice it. It's another thing to be a patriot and it possess you. And you become more that than a child of God. Throw me overboard. That was not heroic. That was still rebellion. But you see, uh, of course, we'll get into this a little bit later, but God always have his Uber service. Personal note, Jonah was ready to drown in the sea and that 600,000 people died because he disagreed with God's loving kindness. Determination of the, uh, the mariners, their courage. Nevertheless, regardless of what he said, now we're not going to throw you over. Nevertheless, here these guys are lo losing everything. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. The cry, the prayer. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not us, uh, uh, lay, lay not uh, on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. We surrender all. You do what you need to do, Lord. Notice what the next one says. Their radical change. So that they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, like Jonah said. <laughs> there was a bunch of craziness going on. And the sea ceased from its raging. All of a sudden, like things falling apart, all of a sudden, if the disciples were here say, oh, we, we can identify with that. How the Lord just said, peace be still, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Because he is in control. 
Then, now notice the effect of the, of the men. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vow. Does that seem like a change? While Jonah was running away from God, sailors got saved. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So everywhere he goes, people are going to get saved or everything gets messed up every time he goes that direction. You quit. Never quit on God. These changed sailors did three significant things. They feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord. They made vows to the Lord. Jonah's rebellious spirit created a crisis that affected the lives and possessions of others. You've been very patient with me. Um, going going to, to our next slide. The sailors lost everything, but God enabled them to learn about him and be saved. Praise the Lord. He, he showed them him, himself to be merciful and a God of second chances. He commissioned Jonah for the purpose of giving Nineveh a chance. He permitted the settlers to receive a second chance. He enabled Jonah, regardless of his actions and attitude, to be given a second chance. Because God has a bigger picture than what you and I think. Amen. I, I think that's that's very critical. Um, we're going to pick up uh, next week. I think I have another. I don't think I have another note there, but I do. If I do, I'll pick it up. But the whole idea is that uh, next week we're going to uh, pick up there because there's some questions we need to ask. Uh, ask number one: Why did God use a fish? Everything God does has a purpose. Will you keep that in mind? Why did God? Well, he was a well. Okay, fish well. Why did he use a fish well? Why would God do something like that? Why did he hold his? How, how is it that the fish was so prepared that when he went into the, the fish that he was still able to breathe Oh, of course, he didn't have the whole hotel amenities. Washroom, nope. Food, nope. Bed, nope. You're here because you quit. And this is how I talk to quitters. I'll get you to yourself. And some of you this morning, they call it Rima. Where I'm talking, others hearing, but God speaks in your heart. And he says, here's where you are. And you need to stop right now. Don't let me have to do a little something to you. Don't let me have to whip your glutus maximus and get you back on the road. Well, I, I think we both got the idea. So of course, uh, we we had to had to close on on this note. Um, 
Because I think that maybe the Lord saying to you, what have you said no to God about? What have you been dragging your, your feet on? How much time do you think God is giving you to get it straight? Don't you realize that when you're in God's, in God's will, you'll never know until you get to glory the number of people you will affect. And so it's not a time to quit, but to wake up and realize it's not about you. It has never been about you. It's about God. You say, really? Yep. That's why, that's why Ephesians says, for his pleasure, his good pleasure, his pleasure, his grace for his pleasure, his glory. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Is he that made us, not we ourselves? This is glory. Well, I think um, it's time to pray. I've been to ears long enough. So much to share. We'll go real see now what happens when a man gets into God's Uber service and where it took him. It might be one under the sound of my voice. You came in here this morning, you quote, coming morning worship, quotation mark. And somehow God has been taken out of the picture. Don't you know he loves you? There might be, even the recording, might be individuals that God has been reasoning and reasoning but you know what? There's a time when God says, Ephraim have gone into his island. Lead them along. But God, you see the extent, Lord, we see the extent of what you will do for people you have created in your likeness, in your image. And so, Lord, we come this morning and pray for Chicago Land Bible Fellowship Church. Help us to get our eyes off of others and help us and deliver us from ingrown eyeballs and put our eyes on you. And say not our will, but your will be done. For those who are not, not saved, those who have not submitted to the, the salvation that you have uh, presented, Lord, may this be the turning point. Like the sailors, they have to realize, number one, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And when he died, it justified and it cleared everything as far as your judgment was concerned. Because when he rose again, it was a stamp of approval. And everyone who accepts that stamp of approval, recognizing that they cannot do it themselves, that they are sinners. And ask, Lord, would you save me? That they'll be saved. Thank you for that, that, that door of opportunity right now. So I lift the congregation up to you. I lift the dear souls up to you. Great is your faithfulness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.